Well, good morning, and the Lord be with you today as uh, we gather for worship, uh, not only on site and our small team. Uh, thank you very much to our volunteers who are here today uh, helping to make this possible, but also to you uh, as you join us uh, in the comfort of your home. Uh, the Lord calls and gathers us, uh, though scattered, uh, continues to connect us uh, via the very power of the Holy Spirit. So though I may be anchored, if you will, uh, to this podium today, uh, nonetheless, the Spirit is continuing to work in vibrant uh, ways in our lives as God's people. And so may he richly bless our worship uh, this day and to continue to work in our life of faith as the people of God as he prepares us uh, to go out into the world and to bear witness uh, to his love for the world. A couple of announcements, though, uh, this morning for us as we begin our worship service, and uh, hopefully you have had the opportunity to uh, download the worship packet uh, from uh, the email, which uh, went out uh, yesterday uh, via the email distribution. Uh, and uh, to follow along, or perhaps uh, you just have it open in PDF on your tablet uh, or computer, uh, whichever way, uh, grateful uh, for your um, perusal of it, especially the announcements. And uh, a couple of things for you. If you had the chance to see the uh, email that went out on Thursday, the Congregational Blast, uh, we want to draw your attention to the active link within it uh, for uh, Lent. Uh, don't forget, Lent starts uh, the 16th of February, that is Wednesday, with Ash Wednesday. We will have an Ash Wednesday service at 7 o'clock uh, that will be live streamed uh, to uh, you and your home. Uh, but we want to give you the opportunity to participate in our Ash Wednesday service by signing up uh, and receiving uh, the worship packet uh, for uh, that evening. So it will be communion and ashes as well as uh, a Lenten devotional, uh, which will uh, serve as the devotional for our series during the 40 days, uh, titled Return to the Lord uh, and Communion. So uh, make sure you go back to that email uh, from Thursday and uh, sign up uh, so we can get your uh, worship materials ready for you. Also, uh, don't forget that we have an upcoming uh, food distribution on the 6th of February, uh, Saturday. Uh, thank you to those of you who have already uh, signed up uh, to be a part of that. Uh, certainly uh, many of you who've expressed an interest in it uh, who weren't part of it last month but who will be part of it this month so we're excited our goal is at least 300 boxes of food uh, to members of our community so if that is something that interests you just let the church office know and uh, continue to watch uh, facebook and uh, announcements for information uh, to be a part of that also uh, thank you to uh, jim busby and Kristen elizondo for their leadership in our post-worship uh, bible study classes jim is leading the lutheranism 101 uh, class, which you can be a part of uh, if that is of interest to you. And then Kristen is helping out our youth. Uh, so parents and grandparents, those of you who have students at home, uh, don't forget that that's a viable option for you as well immediately following worship. So again, all right, uh, so uh, take some time to familiarize yourself what's going on with the life of the congregation and uh, continue. Uh, we pray that the Lord works in our heart and mind uh, to form and shape us as his people. We're going to begin this morning uh, with our opening hymn. It's uh, hymn 528, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And so whether you're here with me uh, in the room or at home, uh, let's hear you sing. All right. <laughs>
We continue with our confession and assurance of God's love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, our responsive psalm, uh, which I invite you uh, to participate in uh, this morning, is from Psalm 111. Uh, Great are the Lord's works. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, setting by all who delight in Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. All right, we continue uh, with our reading uh, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, a new prophet like Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we continue with our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. And they, that is Jesus and his disciples, went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. 
And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you to our worship team this morning. Would you bow your heads with me, even at home, uh, for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, grateful that as we come before you today, we can bring all our discontents, all our uncertainties, Lord, um, those frustrations, those anxieties, and we can place them at the foot of the cross. Because we pray that through the very power of Christ in us, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that by your word and your action in our lives, you would teach us that in all circumstances, we can find contentment. We can know your peace, which surpasses all our understanding, and we can find all our sufficiency in Jesus and Jesus alone. So Lord, increase our faith as your people and turn our attention to your son, our savior. In his name, all God's people say, amen. All right. Well, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Give me a loud amen, even at home, please. Amen. <laughs> We're going to be uh, today in uh, week four of our renovation sermon series, a series meant to coincide with our sanctuary renovation. And uh, don't forget that uh, towards the end of each week, if uh, we're able or uh, there is uh, uh, reason to we will post some pictures on facebook that keep you posted on that renovation of our sanctuary but it's this idea that where we have a a, a vision of a renovated church a, a space that it's been changed in the positive sense a good work being done within it scripture has that idea as well now as i've been saying though it's not about buildings right um, but it's about us. It's about me. It's about you. In fact, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he who began that good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I've reminded you each week too, perhaps you picked up on that during our confession and assurance of forgiveness, that time of absolution, when we're reminded of that. But it's this idea that we, like the building, in a sense, are being renovated, we're being worked on, we're being changed by the very power of the Holy Spirit into Christ-likeness. Not to be Jesus, of course, uh, but called to be like him in our humanity. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, and in other places, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we're called to be imitators of Jesus, disciples, followers. And that having been saved through his shed blood and resurrection and finding ourselves on solid spiritual ground, even worshiping virtually, we are anticipating this good work, both in our facilities, but even more so in us as the people of God. So it's a win-win, uh, even in a pandemic. Now, you have the text before you on page five of your worship packet. Uh, let me read it to you because I have not yet read it. And uh, we'll unpack that a bit for us this morning. So this is from Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 10 through 20. This is the last portion of uh, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. It's only a four-chapter um, uh, uh, epistle. Uh, but let me go ahead and read the text, beginning at verse 10. Paul says to them, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All right, so that's Paul's text. And certainly there are uh, bits and pieces of that uh, for which you are familiar, such as I can do all things through him who gives me strength, right? And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But what about the, the bulk of the text and the context? Because that's important to our understanding of the meaning of the passage. Well, since this is the conclusion to his letter to them, he wants to quickly address some relational problems that are happening in the church. So if you were to go back to the, to the first part, verses 1 through 10 of Philippians chapter 4, you would see that relational issue that is in the church. But then he, then he wants to wrap up his letter with this encouragement, this exhortation uh, in as positive as a way as possible. So think about it this way. You can imagine this beloved church of his, right? He's already expressed his love uh, for them uh, in this letter. Uh, not only are they beset by the external challenges of the culture around them, but they're also beset by problems within, right? I mean, it's bad enough to have the outside world pressing in upon you and against you, uh, but it's even worse when there's fighting in-house, right? Uh, when folks aren't getting along uh, within uh, the family, if you will. That's why this short first section ends the way it does in verse 9. Uh, again, you don't have that before you, but let me read it uh, for you. Verse 9 says, what, have you, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, so as he, in a sense, uh, admonishes them, uh, you hear echoes uh, of imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, a great deal of the New Testament outside of the Gospels uh, in the book of Acts uh, is about this. What does it mean for us to be disciples of Jesus, imitators of Paul, but even more so imitators of Christ? All right, so that brings us to today then and this section of scripture from chapter 4, and in particular, uh, this last section of verses 14 through 20, which we can title, The Promise of God, right? Uh, in a sense, we can say that this section of Scripture has the providence of God in, in verse 10, uh, and the power of God, as listed in your outline with verses 11 through 13, right? We now have this realized promise. And so what does it mean for us as God does a good work within us? And we want to see what a specific example might look like in the people of God uh, to have uh, this good work being completed. So when Paul writes to a church, think about it this way, he more often starts with uh, uh, thanksgiving and, and closes with thanksgiving, right? And he does this here 
uh, to the Philippian Christians, right? Because he recognizes uh, thanking them for their financial support of his ministry because without their help, he doesn't know where he'd be. But because of their faithfulness, great blessing has been experienced. And, and he, as he thanks them, he compares their generous giving to three things, all right, or practices. And I'm going to share those with you in just a second. But let me start uh, by thanking you, uh, dear friends, uh, for your faithfulness uh, to this congregation, for your generosity uh, to this congregation towards our mission. You know, despite the pandemic of 2020, uh, we once again as a church finished uh, in the black, uh, and for which I am grateful uh, for that. It probably is the fifth or sixth year that we've been able to do it. Uh, but even more so, your generosity over the last few years uh, in the capital campaign uh, has helped us get to this point where the sanctuary is getting this makeover, right? So your gifts, large or small, have been a tremendous blessing. Uh, not because it helps pay the bills, but, but my point and Paul's point is that when you give to the church, right, not the building, but the people, not just the staff, but to one another, right? Uh, when we give, we can see the reality of that good work of God making us more Christ-like or calling us to be imitators of Paul as he imitates Christ. Think about it this way. Chapter 4, before you, is really about the good work of God being worked out in us and among us, right? You may recall way back in the beginning of the series how I said uh, that Philippians 2.12, Paul exhorts us to work out our salvation. And this is an example of that. What God is doing in us uh, is now being lived out through us. And that act of giving, whether it's your finances, your time, your talents, your prayers, that act of giving to one another in whatever form is a good work of God bearing fruit in the life of the church. All right, so Paul uses three images. Let's go to those images. What are they? One, a, bed, a budding tree, right? Uh, two, an investment, and three, a sacrifice. So let's take a look at the tree, all right, first. All right, so last day of January, right? February is tomorrow, and then before we know it, March will be here. Uh, and even by the end of February, here in North Texas, we'll begin to experience those first signs of spring, right? So spring is on its way, and so this, this is good. But if you were looking at verse 10 in the text, you may ask yourself or ask me, well, pastor, where is this idea of the tree? Uh, because there's nothing in the text which says tree. Uh, well, the Greek uh, for a budding tree, all right, one that is about to flower or flourish, uh, is actually the word used to give us that word in the text renewed, all right? So I've highlighted that in the text before you on page five of your bulletin. As in renewed, you renewed your concern. So if I go out into my backyard this afternoon and I look at my crepe myrtles, all right, that are line the fence on the south side of the house, I will look for buds on the branches, right? Uh, and so spring means renewal for us, right? Uh, the, this idea of resurrection, if you will. So you can see how those writing the translation then uh, can make this mental jump from a, a budding tree in the Greek language to renewal uh, in English. Uh, in the old KGV or the King James uh, version, the word flourishing is used as a way of describing a tree or flower at bud about to burst. So think about this. 
I would say that we often go through winter seasons, even spiritually, okay? Uh, times when perhaps our spiritual life seems cold uh, or lifeless, and we eagerly, eagerly seek this word from the Lord, but there's nothing, all right? That's common, uh, and I think purposeful, right? But what happens then, as does happen in the seasons? After winter comes spring. And in our spiritual life, in our life of faith, uh, that, that winter season we go through uh, lends itself then uh, to spring arriving. And then there's great blessing in new life uh, in ourselves and in the life of the church. Think about the tree. The tree never moves from its place in the ground. It stayed in the yard and it's wintered, right? And the circumstances don't change around the tree, but come spring, there's renewed life. Renewed life from within. Because, brothers and sisters, that's the grace and mercy and power of God's good work in us. And that same power working through us into the relationships in our lives. So when you give of yourself, when you give of your time, when you give of your prayers, when you give of your talent, and even when you give of your finances to the organizations you love to support, all right? There's encouragement and exhortation also being given to those people who are in those organizations uh, that you love to support. Because you're saying yes, not only to the vision that they have uh, for themselves, right? And the, and, the, and, the, and the better future that they want uh, for themselves and their community around them. You're also saying yes to the people within that place. Uh, your buy-in, if you will, propels it to a place of renewal and flourishing, and flourishing. That's Paul's point to them, but also to us. All right, next one. Paul says this in verses 14 through 17, that this is an investment, all right, an investment in the kingdom. Now, how about that stock market this past week, right? <laughs> I heard this morning that uh, one hedge fund lost over 50% of its value uh, in the month of January, most of it this past week. Uh, as uh, players in the market um, caused quite uh, an uproar. Uh, but now, that's my over, oversimplified interpretation of the market, please. Uh, I'm not offering advice. <laughs> anyway, but think about it, how it's different in God's economy, all right? God's economy. For example, it's this idea that though we give materially, all right, to the church, we receive spiritually, Okay. Yes, our relationships are strengthened as we see one another invest in the work of God, all right? But the residual effect is that script, uh, the Spirit further equips you and me to follow Christ. So we, we challenge one another to participate in worship, right? Even uh, being scattered into our homes, right? We challenge each other to study the Word and to pray and to serve. Even during a time of pandemic, we have not stopped offering you opportunities uh, to be a player, if you will, uh, in the kingdom of God. Speaking of players, it's, it's sort of like a football team in the weight room uh, encouraging one another in preseason so that when it comes time to get into the game, they are more prepared physically and mentally than their competitor, right? They spur one another on uh, to greater and greater weight. You see, these little or, or big things that we do are all steps of preparation for us to participate in the work of God. Sort of like dollar cost averaging your 401k, right? You're constantly putting in investments in the kingdom, all right, uh, in whatever fashion, right? Whatever amount with the understanding that there is an important payoff in the end as the people of God. 
And that was Paul's message to that church at Philippi, reminding them uh, of, of, of their good gifts to him, uh, that as much as it was supplying his needs, that the work that they were doing was going on to expand the kingdom uh, to greater, uh, greater things. All right, so you have a budding tree, you have an idea of an investment uh, in the kingdom of God and in the work of God. And now, verse 18, this idea of sacrifice. All right, let me read to you the verse again from page five of the text. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. All right, so in this last section, Paul looks upon their gift as a sacrifice. If God is doing a good work in us and through us, Right? We also learn uh, in the process what it means for us to grow or graduate, uh, if you will, in our discipleship and in our practices. In fact, 1 Peter 2.5 says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, all right? to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So where the building and the community gathered at Holy Cross uh, has over the decades um, seen and experienced what's called intergenerational equity, right? Uh, people buying in uh, to the message and the purpose uh, and values of this place, right? Helping to build it up. So too has your spiritual life over the decades uh, been built up, uh, not only by participation uh, in the life of the church, but also by others in your life who have come around you to mentor you and encourage you and to pray with you and for you. Romans 12 tells us, think about it, if you will, in this way, in terms of a sacrifice. Some other examples. Romans 12 tells us that our bodies are to be offered up as spiritual sacrifices, right? Hebrews 13 tells us the praise of our lips and our good works to God are a sacrifice. Romans 15 tells us when we tell others about Jesus, we are offering a sacrifice to God. So a life of a disciple is often a life of sacrifice but one not coming by our own strength, but God working in us. And that sacrifice might look different for each one of us. Right? That's why Paul sees what is coming from the Philippians and is actually, uh, that it's actually coming from God, right? Not just them themselves. The Lord has found the Philippians faithful and uses them to encourage and equip Paul in others in the spread of the gospel. Think about it this way. Listen closely as I read this from chapter four again. Um, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't read that too fast, but perhaps if you were following along, you picked up that there's a little bit of contrast uh, in that text. Uh, let me paraphrase it perhaps make it stand out a bit more. And if I was to paraphrase it, I would say it would sound like this from Philippians 4. Um, Paul would say, you met my need and God is going to meet your need. You met one need that I have, but my God will meet all your needs. You gave out of your poverty, but God will supply your needs out of his riches, right? So you hear the contrast in there. Uh, my need, your need, one need, all your needs, right? Poverty uh, out of riches. 
You know, someone once joked, God does not promise to supply all our greeds, right? We say God promises to supply all our needs. But when we are in the will of God, serving to the glory of God, our needs will be met. It may be a congregation uh, for us like Holy Cross or as individuals as we bear witness uh, in the world and in our service to our neighbors. But think about it this way. You know, I titled this sermon Contentment in Christ, all right? I've yet to even really talk about that, right? Uh, at least directly. Instead, I have approached it indirectly using a, a, a subject that for a lot of people is difficult, and that's money. And perhaps you thought this was like a stewardship message or something uh, like that, but it's not. But money, spending, investing, giving, money uh, for many people uh, is their source when it comes to looking for contentment, not just having it, uh, but also what comes from it. And I get that. I'm human too. Uh, money is leverage, and it's nice to be able to have that leverage uh, in our lives. But here's Paul's major point and why he uses the Philippians' financial <laughs> generosity to make it. Because recall, even though he is a tent maker, and he uses that skill to provide for himself in ministry at certain times, he more often than not lives on the edge of poverty and depends on the generosity of the churches uh, of those who around him, right? But that lack, that lack, brothers and sisters, does not deter him, right? The lack does not define him. His deficit living, at least financially, has not created in him a scarcity mindset. Now, wealthy people can have a scarcity mindset too, but wealth isn't Paul's problem, at least financial wealth, right? Instead, this lack has caused him, rightfully so, to find contentment and sufficiency in something else, in someone else. Paul is saying, right, by using this example of financial generosity in the life of the church, Paul is saying contentment comes from proper <coughs> perspective, right? That is recognizing where our adequate resources are sourced, right? Uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, yes? <laughs> that our true source is Christ in us. That true riches are found in our relationship with Jesus, not the material assets of the world. Yes, it helps not to have to worry about how one is going to make ends meet. And I'm grateful uh, to all of you in this community of faith at Holy Cross that over the last six years, this has not been an issue for us. But the reality of it is, as much as we as individuals and families invest in the work of the kingdom, God is working even greater good works through us to make it possible. And Paul says, again, using finances as an example, see then the good work of God being worked out in you, Paul says, as a budding and flourishing tree, brothers and sisters, as an investment, brothers and sisters, even as a sacrifice of thanksgiving, brothers and sisters, to your Lord and Savior Jesus. So think about it this way. If you're struggling with contentment, perhaps it's because you're looking to the wrong resource for that contentment. In your relationships, your work, your politics, your finances, your circumstances. I mean, fill in the blank. Uh, whatever is possible for us, right? Paul's exhortation and encouragement is to leave those things behind and go back to first things first. So that all our conversations about contentment, right? With ourselves and with one another in and outside the church begin and end 
with Jesus. He alone is the source of our contentment. You know, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, let alone next week or, or next month or whatever, but you get the idea. But I do know I have Jesus. I do know we have Jesus. Or better yet, Jesus has us. And because of this, we are all learning to be content. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue our service now with our confession of faith as found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let me grab my prayer page, if you don't mind me stepping away from the camera momentarily. I do want to add to our morning prayers uh, today, uh, Sandy, uh, undergoing care of doctors this week on behalf of uh, Kathy Rader. So, uh, if we will, uh, good people of God, let's uh, have that confession of faith that's found in this creed with Christians around the world and across the ages. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we're grateful that uh, your promise to us in Christ Jesus is a reality. Not only the reality of forgiveness and grace and mercy and power, the reality of life everlasting in him, but the reality of contentment that can be ours. We realize we have a lot of reasons that we could use as excuses to be discontent. So we pray that by the very power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, reveal to us those places in our lives where we have attempted first and foremost to resource our life to find contentment. Bring us to a place of conviction. But also we pray in that conviction, bring us to a place of healing. Bring us to a place of that assurance in Christ Jesus, Lord, and help us once again to make first things first. And to see in Christ that all our needs are met. And so for all of us gathered here today, you know that there are a lot of different needs that are being lifted up to you in our hearts and minds. Perhaps it is a, a chronic issue of finances. Perhaps it's relational. Perhaps it's looking for purpose. Perhaps it's a young person seeking wisdom and, and decision-making. It's our congregation, Lord. <laughs> so excited about renovating its facilities, yet also recognizing it wouldn't be possible without you. So in the winters of our discontent, we commend ourselves to you and to your care. Pray that you would bring us by your Spirit's presence that renewal, 
Bring us that, that flourishing that we long to experience as followers of Jesus in our life of discipleship. Reveal to each one of us individually and corporately this new season of spring before us. We pray too for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, those, Lord, who find themselves in need of your healing touch. We give thanks for the doctors and nurses and medical technology that, that make wellness possible. But we remember to Sandy. We remember to Charles and Sarah and Tasha and Rose and Nancy, Craig and Devin and Joy and Melody and Bob and Alicia and Obi and Mary and Chad and Paul and Tomas and Sadie and Christy. We continue to pray for Lucille and Carol and Earl and Seal and Chris and Bonnie, Jim, for Bob and Russ and Marion and Ann and Lydia and Carol and Rhonda and Marie and Donna, for Ruth and Cammie and Dave and Kim and Mary and Marge and Randy. Thanking you, Lord, for your love for us and our brothers and sisters in this provision in the lives of those, Lord, in need. And so if healing and restoration is your will, we pray, Lord, um, that you would expedite that in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Perhaps it's not, uh, Lord, part of your will right now at, at this time in their lives. And so we just continue to pray that you would bring them contentment, your peace which surpasses all their understanding so that they would know of your presence in their lives as your people. So comfort them, God, in their life of faith. We certainly continue to pray for our nation and thank you for this opportunity to, to lift up those, Lord, whom you placed in authority over us, whether it be at the local level, the state level, the national level. Praying for the men and women, uh, Lord, in those positions of, of service to the nation. Praying, Lord, for them to, to eagerly seek your wisdom for themselves in the life of this country. That, that we as Christians would steward well the freedoms that you've entrusted to us in our republic and, and that we would live out those freedoms not only for ourselves but for the good of our neighbor. Lord, open our eyes to those opportunities around us to serve, to tell others about Jesus, even in a time like this, a pandemic. <laughs> we can only entrust to you the day, right? For tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. But that entrusting to you is a place of assurance for us, a place of comfort, a place where we can acknowledge not just an eternal dependency, but also, uh, Lord, an earthly dependency on you. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace and mercy and power in our lives. We commend to you ourselves. We commend to you our families, those whom we love, those whom we work with, those we go to school with. We commend our neighbors to you. May they all know your good graces in their lives as we do this day. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
We continue now with the service of the sacrament. Uh, this week, uh, it is uh, setting four from our Lutheran service book, and we'll begin on page seven uh, with our preface. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give them thanks and Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in the remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Savior, strengthen, encourage you, and want your faith, and continually remind you of where to find contentment. In Jesus' name, amen. Just 
I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sing another song and take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I've never Again, thank you, uh, Lord, for this uh, time of worship. Uh, though scattered, you've continued to gather us through your spirit and the powerful presence of the word in this table of grace and belonging. Let each one of our homes, uh, Lord, be places of assurance and hope, be places, Lord, that pe uh, point people uh, to the contentment that can be found in Jesus. Thank you for uh, getting us ready for the week ahead. Uh, we commend ourselves into your care. All God's people say. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. We close uh, with the final stanzas of Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Mm -hmm. 